This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. For 75 years, Tennesseans have been relying on Farm Bureau Health Plans for their health care coverage. Why? Better rates, better coverage, and better service. With Amy Wells, my name is Mike Keith. Welcome to the off-season program edition of the OTP. It's here, Mike Keith. The off-season program has arrived. Nine weeks of off-season program, so the players are back here at St. Thomas Sports Park. When I started, and I guess really for the entire time up until 2011, the off-season program was 16 weeks. They would come back roughly at St. Patrick's Day, and then they would get out of here just before the 4th of July. Wow, that's lengthy. Now it's nine weeks. Yes. And it comes in three phases. You want the rundown of what the phases are just for fun? Yes. A lot of people don't know this. Yeah, I think it's right. interesting. So phase one is two weeks long. So it's the first two weeks. Phase one, activities, strength and conditioning, physical rehabilitation only, no coaches allowed on the field or to participate in or observe activities. Now, if guys want to go out and throw or kick on their own, they can do that. But that's it. Right. So that's the first two weeks. So in essence, it's get back in the building, it's work out, that's it, period. That's why a lot of guys don't return for the first two weeks because they feel like, well, I can do that on my own. If I have something going, if I'm doing a kitchen remodel or – If there are kids in school somewhere else, they may choose to stay away because then they don't have to be gone quite as long. So very rarely do you have teams with perfect attendance for phase one. Well, and a lot of guys have their own kind of training regiment that they are in the groove of doing that they've been doing since January, February, you know, so they kind of stick with their own thing until one of the phases where you can do a little more things. Okay, so this phase will go from now through the draft weekend. Yes. So then we'll start another phase on May the 2nd. That is phase two. It lasts three weeks. Coaches are allowed on the field. On-field workouts may include individual or group instruction and drills, but the offense and the defense have to stay apart. Yes, they can't. Go against each other. They cannot go against each other either as teams or individually. Obviously, no live contact, no team offense, team drills, none of that. So what it comes down to is from May 2nd through May the 20th, it's just the offense is on one side of the field and the defense is on the other side of the field and they work individual separate. They work team separately. Yes. All right. So then we go to phase three. This is when it gets good. Phase three, if you're a high school or college football fan, you know about spring practice, Mm -hmm. right? Most of our favorite colleges are in the process of wrapping up their spring practice right now where they just have. Phase three is basically the NFL spring practice. That's a good analogy. No pads. No. But the final four weeks of the off-season program shall consist of four weeks with a total of 10 OTAs. During phase three, all coaches allowed on the field. Team offense versus team defense drills are permitted. No live contact again. Players 
can wear helmets. Yes. As a matter of fact, sometimes teams want them to wear helmets all the time. Players may wear jointly approved protective shirts. And so you're practicing offense against defense. You're practicing defensive back against wide receiver. You're playing football. Yes. All three phases for the period are voluntary. Correct. You don't have to go to any of this. Nope. None. Per the CBA. CBA. The three-day mini camp which is at the end of the off-season program, is mandatory. That is the only thing that can be mandatory in the off-season. So phase one, which we're in now, two weeks of basically working out, hanging out with the strength and conditioning coaches. They can go on the field and watch guys work, but the regular ball coaches cannot. Phase two, offense on one side, defense on another side for practices with coaches. Phase three, Spring practice, basically, without pads, without contact, and everybody can be out there leading into the mandatory minicamp. So we have just begun phase one. As you've probably read, heard, and seen, everybody is not here. But again, not a huge shocker. That's normally the way that goes. Yeah, what people are missing right now is some in-the-class stuff and lifting, which, not that big of a deal. All right. Five guys spoke to the media today. Yes. Highlighted by pro bowler Kevin Byard, Mm -hmm. who has a new haircut. Which I really like. Big fan of Kevin Byard's new haircut. He doesn't care about my opinion at all. I don't really think anyone does, but I would like to publicly say I really like it. It's short. He looks nice. Guys always look nice with short hair. Yeah, I just think he looks... Short hair doesn't ever go out of style. Yeah, I just think he looks good. Long hair comes back in at different points. Yeah. And there are different looks for long hair. But short hair never goes out of style. I'm a very classic girl. That is a classic haircut. Yeah. Just he looks smooth. standard. He looks good. Well, you're, But looks you're smooth, sitting here with clean. a guy who could never grow his hair long. I well, so I, I can, longish. Me? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's got some movement. You, me? Yes, your hair has movement. My hair hasn't changed since 1986. Well, I mean, that's a style issue, but when it comes to the actual length of it, it's long-ish. My hair's it always, moves. My hair's always short. Always. No, I tried I to grow it long at one point, and it grew in different directions. I mean, it really looked bad. Oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. That was late 80s. That's a different story. Yeah. I guess in my mind, short is like buzzed, and long is like will move when the wind blows. And then, like, really long is... Like Aerosmith. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It, it, that's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like an 80s rock band type of... Right. Yes. But, like, if the wind blows and your hair moves, you have longish hair. I don't know what you're talking about. But, anyway, Kevin Byard has a smooth new haircut. His press conference began with folks noticing it. Here's Kevin Byard from St. Thomas Sports Park today at the beginning of Phase 1 on the AT. First of all, why the haircut? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I guess, you know, something just was on my spirit, man. So I need to switch it up a little bit, um, you know, getting a little older now. So I cut the hair down. Probably going to keep it like this for a while. So y'all going to have to get used to it. I'm getting used to it, too. So. No, nah, man, I, I got a little bit more time for that. I don't know. You know, my, my dad's like that. No, no my dad's that. like that, so uh, it's hereditary, so I'm trying to hold on as long as possible. That's honestly why I was growing my hair out. 
offseason after you lost to Kansas City in the AFC Championship or, or this one? Um, was tougher. I mean, obviously, being one game away from the Super Bowl was tough. Uh, this offseason was tough as well. Uh, more tough because, you know, just dealing with all the different questions and having to talk about, you know, you guys had nine sacks, you lost the game. Uh, honestly, man, I was just tired of talking about it, you know. You know, it was one of those deals, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Uh, just, you know, eyes on the prize, eyes looking forward now, thinking about this year, uh, thinking about the team that we have, uh, thinking about the group and the nucleus of the guys on defense that we still have coming in this year. So I'm super excited, uh, kind of glad to be back in the building, kind of get the same rolling again. Level that this defense could, can get to. Like, what's the next step for you guys as a unit? Trying to be the top defense in the NFL. You know, that's the goal. Uh, obviously, coming off of 2020, the goal was kind of try to find an, an identity, uh, find out who we are as a team. And I think as the year went along, we started playing better and better and better, and we got dominant towards the end of the year. So I think it's all about taking from that from last year and carry on to this year and try to be the top defense in the NFL. Have you ever been on a team that returns 10 of 11 starters and the coordinator? I don't think so. Uh, if I can remember, uh, I don't remember that. Uh, like I said, I thought it was big for us going into this offseason, especially keeping that front four together. Uh, that was big for me, especially being a safety, wanting to have those guys getting pressure on the quarterbacks, uh, allowing us to do a lot of different things on the back end as far as disguising. And uh, I'm sure Shane and all the coaches have been uh, working hard this offseason, trying to figure out different ways to affect the quarterback, but also disguising and stuff like that, mixing up coverages. Comparison, when you do have to reset, what does that take? Uh, it's my like reset in my mind, or just reset when you do have the new coordinator when there is roster turnover. Oh yeah, I mean it's it, you know getting to know you know a whole new coach. You know you had to build trust and communication between the coaching staff and players. Uh, obviously learning new defense, new terminology. But you know obviously when Shane, you know Shane had been here, the defense hadn't changed that much. But obviously the personnel was a little different. Um, and obviously, talking going back to 2020, the execution just wasn't there. Sometimes the communication was there. You know, we talked about that ad nauseum or whatever. But, um, you know, just this year, obviously having uh, the main group of guys is all about taking that next step and um, just continue trying to get better. So how do you guys take that next step? And, you know, it starts now. You know, obviously we're just, you know, working out, rehabbing. Some guys are rehabbing. Uh, we're just working on conditioning. But just being in meetings, uh, for me personally, obviously, I'm here trying to continue to learn, develop, and get better as a player. But obviously, being more of a mentor, uh, kind of being in that role a little bit more. Obviously, I've always been, I've always been a leader, but mentoring guys like Caleb, Elijah, uh, continue to helping David Long, you know, elevate his game. And uh, that's kind of my mentality, and that's kind of something I've been marinating on the whole offseason, just uh, obviously being a leader, but mentoring some of these young guys who are trying to take that game to the next level. You, you skipped maybe the first couple, not, not these, I don't know if you were these or not, but the practices. And that the union was putting a lot of word out that they wanted guys to stay away. And there was a COVID element. Right. Has the has union been talking this year in the same way? I mean, I haven't really been in those talks. Um, you know, I think obviously around this time of the year, it's a whole big thing, you know, with, you know, the media obviously talking about guys who's showing up, who hasn't shown up. You know, this is all voluntary, you know, and I kind of try to mind the business that pays me by minding my own business. But I understand that some guys feels like, you know, if they want to show up when we start practicing playing football, then that's what they choose to do. I had already been here uh, working out with Frank and doing different things like that. So I just said, hey, there's no point of me just not showing up just to not show up. Um, so I want to be able to be around the young guys, try to get better and things like that. But, you know, this is a voluntary part of the offseason. And for some guys, obviously being on a team like this uh, where, you know, the system is kind of already set uh, as far as, you know, the culture and things like that. So, you know, if a guy chooses to take a little bit more time off to be with their family, you know, we're not going to hold anything against anybody. What was your, what was your strategy? No, sort of, some people uh, say 
no carryover from year to year because everybody starts off zero and zero again. But in your mind, is there carryover and unfinished business from last year? Um, yeah, obviously it's unfinished business because we didn't win the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, when you talk about carryover or momentum or whatever, taking on from one year to the next, um, you, I feel like as a player, and it's always been my mentality, that you got to start all the way over. You have to reset your mind. I went first team all pro last year. That's not going to do anything for me this year. I had to continue to work hard, uh, take the same steps that I took last year, being in the meeting room, studying hard, doing all those little things over and over again. And that's how you be consistently uh, great. You talk about guys like, you know, we talk about the guys like Tom Brady and all those guys. Those guys do the small things, the details. You hear young guys in the building saying he's still working like he's a rookie. And I think that's what it takes to try to be great. So, yeah, it's a little bit of carryover because obviously the system hasn't changed, the defense hasn't changed, but we still had to take all those little small steps and all those details that we took when we weren't great in 2020 uh, and try to do the same things this year. What else has kind of gone on in the AFC this offseason? What, what kind of challenges everybody facing in this conference? Yeah, I mean, the AFC is loaded, loaded with a lot of talent, especially quarterback talent. Obviously, watch, you know, receivers change different teams and things like that. So, you know, going to every single year, uh, there's going to be things like that as far as roster turnovers in the league. But, you know, in recent years, I don't really remember it being this much, you know, in that month of March kind of exploded with, you know, Russell Wilson coming to the AFC. So it's going to be huge on us on defense, being able to play very well, getting pressure on these quarterbacks, try to make these guys make mistakes. So, you know, I'm already getting the beat on trying to watch as much film on quarterbacks, not only just in my division, um, but just all the teams that we play, you know, starting from the NFC East to the AFC West, I'm studying film. Um, and not necessarily studying for game plan and stuff like that, but I'm just watching the quarterbacks. Like, if I just keep watching, keep watching, uh, maybe I can pick up on little things here and there. So when we actually – it's time to play those guys in that week, I maybe can go back into my notes like, hey, Russell Wilson, I got some notes from this and then trying to carry over, you know. Jones, 19 offseason, Kevin, when you were up for a contract extension, how did you – you know, did you ever think of, you know, maybe I don't show, maybe that gives me leverage. What was, what was sort of your approach knowing that you were up for an extension? That? Yeah, I mean, my approach was, you know, I wanted to just show up, you know, and I don't think it's nothing against anybody that doesn't show up because, like I said, this is voluntary. I don't think that, you know, it can go either way. But me personally, um, I felt that I knew I was going to get paid. You know, I just think it's just a process you have to go to when you talk about negotiations and agents and things like that. I kind of understand when you're looking at, and that's pretty much a lot of different teams around the league, those big money contracts, especially extensions, they tend to happen right before training camp. Um, but... You know, I was already going to be working out anyway, so I wanted to come in here and continue to learn and continue to try to get better as a young player. Uh, so that's, that's just what I did. But at the end of the day, like I said, I kind of just mind the business that pays me, you know. Some players who, who you know, maybe go to, to social media as they're you know, kind of talking about the new contract extension right. too, do you think, in your opinion, does that help? Does it not help uh, in, in those cases? I mean, I don't know if it does or not, you know. Like I said, if somebody wanted to get on social media to talk about what they want to talk about, then that's on them. Uh, I don't think, I honestly, I don't think it does any, any bad. I don't think it does any good. I think it's just all about what a personal decision and what they want to talk about. You know, it's a, you know, it's a free country, free speech. So, um, like I said, just me personally, um, you know, I don't do too much talking and stuff like that on social media unless, like I said, I'm posting on Instagram or whatever. But like I said, man, I think these things, they all work, this, they all work themselves out. And uh, obviously, if you're, you're talking about A.J., A.J. Uh, is one of the best receivers in the league. And obviously, you know, Vrabel and, and John, they've talked about him being here. So I have no concerns about A.J. not coming in, being in shape, coming in here ready to produce and being the same type of guy he's always been. Kevin, 
success six or seven years you guys have had different slogans good to great unfinished business things like that as you come back right now as a leader is, is there a slogan you guys have or a message you give to your teammates um I wouldn't say it's a necessary slogan. Obviously, uh, this has been the first day. Variable hasn't been here today. Uh, he's has, he has a deal that he's dealing with as far as. So next, tomorrow, we'll have a team meeting. I'm pretty sure he'll have a slogan that will kind of carry on to this offseason. But just being poised and, and just trying to, I'm just getting better. I mean, that's kind of what I just preach to everybody, getting better. You know, you're either, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You never stay the same. So just as a team, we're just trying to get better. You've seen this place completely transform around here. Right. Any excitement or desire to try to make it to a new stadium in 2026? 22, that's a long time from now. Like, honestly, just me being a player, man, that's so far out. Obviously, it would be super exciting for the city of Nashville to get a new stadium. Obviously, a lot of stuff comes with that, with the Super Bowl bids and things like that. But 2026, man, I only think I'm under contract in 2026. So once that time gets there, then I'll be trying to get excited about playing a new stadium. What would you like to see in that stadium if you made it? Uh, grass. But we all know if it's a dome, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Long earlier, how different are things going to be for him all of a sudden being one of the older guys in that room, you think? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I'm one of the older guys in, in the whole locker room now. And it's, it's funny how I've been a rookie and now I'm, I think I'm the second oldest guy in the DB room now. It's pretty crazy. But obviously talking about David Long, uh, David Long plays with a lot of confidence, plays with a lot of passion. Um, so I'm just excited to see his progression as a player. Obviously, you still have Cunningham in the room. You have a young guy in Monty Rice who's going to take his next step as well. But I think just the passion that he plays with and just type of confidence that he has, he's already a leader, you know what I'm saying, just in his own right. And I, I'm just excited to see him this offseason just continue to take that next step. He had the season for, for Caleb, Kevin, uh, given you know how little he, he played last year and, and really in college. Too. Yeah, it's super important. I mean, I know by coming in, working out and stuff like that throughout this offseason, he's been here every day. Uh, so he's been here working. He's been studying with Midge and the coaches and things like that. So I'm obviously going to be excited when he's able to clear and be able to get out on the field and kind of get those reps in because that's the main thing when you're talking about a guy who's had some injury issues the past couple of years. It's just those valuable reps that you miss, rather if it's in practice or in the game. So uh, the more he gets more reps, the more comfortable he'll get, the more his confidence will continue to build. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm excited for him. Talking about the AFC loading up, he said, well, you guys have been building a program steadily for years. When you have that foundation, that cultural foundation, how helpful is that no matter who's coming in and out to be able to rely on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you, you see it. I mean, it's probably more prevalent in basketball, but in football, you, you, can't, really, you can't really buy championships like that. Uh, you have to have the foundation first, then you bring peace into that foundation, and then that's when you talk about winning championships. So we have the foundation, and obviously last year we brought some pieces together. We wasn't able to put it together, but that culture uh, and the piece, you know, as far as the things that Vrabel has instilled in us as the team and obviously having a lot of core leaders on his team, uh, that's what carries over. If you want to talk about things that carry, that's what carry over from year to year, just that culture that we build. And it's up to us as leaders and the veterans to continue to, to harp that onto the younger guys and some new guys that's coming on the team this year. So, like I said, I'm excited and um, excited to get this thing rolling, man. Last season, you, you mentioned how important it was to bring back Harold. Now that you guys have him re-signed, just how – how, how excited are you and just, you know, the, that de the defense's ability to take that next step just because you have him back? Yeah, man, I talked about last year, man. I feel like we have the best front four in the league, and uh, I was super adamant about bringing Harold back um, because, like I said, me being a safety, man, having those front four guys uh, wrecking havoc in those backfields, whether if it's in the run game or obviously getting after the quarterback, you know, it makes my job a lot easier. Uh, so happy to have all those guys back and 
looking forward to those guys, you know, trying to, I know they have some big lofty goals as well, probably trying to lead the league in sacks and all that different stuff. So uh, super excited about working with those guys again. Kevin, yeah, one more quickly. Yeah. Uh, can you speak about your uh, your charity event on Thursday? You got coming up. Yeah, so Thursday, uh, I'm actually. Uh, uh, honorary coach here uh, for the Rally Foundation. And this Thursday is going to be Rally on the Runway uh, where I think it's going to be 12, 10 to 12 kids that are either dealing with cancer right now or have beaten cancer. And it's called Rally on the Runway because I'm going to get me, a lot of my buddies on the team, we'll be walking the kids down the runway. You know, they'll strut their stuff and stuff like that. So, I mean, honestly, man, it is a life-changing event. Uh, the first time me going, was my rookie year and Jarrell Casey was the honorary chair and he passed it along to me. And just hearing the stories and just seeing the parents and obviously being a parent myself now, um, I think so, the, one of the worst moments uh, in a parent's life is, you know, getting that news from a doctor saying that your child has cancer and, and watching your child go through chemo and all that stuff is definitely life changing. So for me personally, it's something that me and my wife, obviously we do a lot of things in the community, but I've been working with the Rally Foundation since my rookie year. And like I said, it's definitely life changing. It's going to be good to, you know, get some of my, my buddies out obviously there and some of the young guys to be able to see uh, what, it, what, it, what, it, what it means to give back into the community and what it means to, to like I said, to have those life-changing moments. And honestly, man, just giving your time, man, just talking to these kids, uh, it, can mean, it can mean everything to them, you know? So uh, it's gonna be super exciting. So like I said, this is Thursday, it's gonna be a marathon music week. That is Kevin Byard, who was here today. Austin Hooper, the new tight end spoke. Yes. David Long, the linebacker who figures to be a starter spoke and and I thought he was good. Elijah Molden, the team's nickelback, had an opportunity to address the media, which was kind of a great thing. Just got married. Congrats. He did. Yeah, that was an interesting story he told about that his wife set up everything and he just sort of showed up and didn't know what was going to happen. That's how weddings work. I'm like That's how it goes. Well, you better know you're married. Well, yeah, that's I what's going to happen. You have one job as a groom and you're it is be to hitched, be there. You're going to be hitched to this woman. Yeah. Nope. Just show up. Walk where she tells you to, turn around, look at the camera, smile a couple times. You touch nothing else. Wow. That's it. He's. Um, I think he did it right. Smart Strong man. Strong sentiment. Just don't even get in her way. Let her do her thing. Ben Jones also spoke today, and he was his Ben Jones self. Outstanding. Ben Jones kicked off the whole thing because he was just the picture of stability for he is the a Tennessee delight. Titans. Yeah. You can't do anything without Ben Jones. I'm so glad he's still here. Me too. And apparently some people in the mocks noticed he's still here. Because the great Jim Wyatt, TennesseeTitans.com, and he is great. He is, yes. The legend. Lovely fella. You should follow him at Jay Wyatt Sports on Twitter and Instagram and everything else he's on. He makes TikTok. the rest of us look bad. He does. I don't think Jim's on TikTok. So he ran through 30 mocks, and they have narrowed in a week. Last week, 20 different players in the 30 mocks. This week, down to 15. Two guys were mocked to the Titans five times. Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson and Tulsa offensive tackle Tyler Smith both mocked to the Titans five times. Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from Utah, mocked to the Titans four times. Nakobe Dean, linebacker Georgia, Traylon Burks, wide receiver Arkansas, mocked to the Titans three times. Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett and Central Michigan offensive tackle Bernhard Ryman both mocked to the Titans two times. The other players mocked to the Titans. Christian Watson, North Dakota State wide receiver. Sam Howe, quarterback, North Carolina. Zion Johnson, center guard, 
Boston College. Desmond Ritter, quarterback, Cincinnati. Jermaine Johnson, edge rusher, Florida State. Trevor Pennig, offensive tackle, Northern Iowa. Trent McDuffie, cornerback, Washington. Kenyon Green, guard, Texas A&M. You know what this tells me, Mike Keith? What's that, Amy? They still don't know (laughs) is the first thing because we're still, even in terms of position group, we're still pretty much all over the road. However, there is a lot of redundancy. Starting to be. Yeah, it tells me that we're starting to zoom in. We're starting to, what are we, a week out from the draft? And we're starting to get a little bit closer, weaken some change. Well, people are beginning to think they have a bead or more of a bead on the Titans and what they're going to do at number 26. Yes, I like it. But, Mike, I really, really just like about this draft that people don't know. I'm enjoying the non-quarterbackness of the whole thing. I am enjoying that people don't really know what's about to happen and that there are so many other position groups being talked about. This is a squirrely draft, and I really, really like it. There is talk that the first 10 picks of this draft may be guys who don't touch the football. I love it. And if that's the case, I'm told – it would be the first time that had happened in over 80 years. Doesn't that excite you? I sure. think that's so cool. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that it excites me it necessarily. Excites me. But I think it's interesting that it could be edge rushers. It could be offensive linemen. It could be corners. It could be linebackers. But it could be all guys who don't touch the football. I mean, after years of having the same, which quarterback's going to go to number one? Year after year after year, this is great. This is great. I love it. You love it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, Titans fans are certainly enjoying talking about their favorite players and their favorite scenarios that are out there for the Titans at number 26. And you're you're pretty much hearing everything. Right. Anything. Anything and everything. One of the things that you're hearing the most on talk radio, social media, articles that you read, would be about the Titans trading back. What are your thoughts on this, Mike? So, I hear fans call in and they say, I would like for the Titans to trade back. And then I hear people who host the shows or whatever say, well, teams have to want to trade up. True. The thing that I'm not hearing, that there's another factor in that, and that is, do the Titans get a fair offer to trade back? Because, listen, if you call up, you know, because everybody's got the whole Detroit trading up for the Titans spot, because Detroit has 32 and they have 34. They have the Rams pick in the draft at 32 in the first round from the Matthew Stafford trade, and then they have their own second round pick at 34. Right. So, I mean, if they if they want to trade from, say, 32 up to 26, well, I mean, the Titans aren't going to take a seven for that. Mm-mm. It's like if you call up and go, yeah, I'll give you a bag of balls. I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, they're not going to do that. So the third part of it is you've got to be willing to trade back. You've got to have somebody who wants to trade up. And you've got to have a, an offer that makes you willing to go back. Right. And – You know, it's funny because how you judge the offers 
oftentimes starts with a chart that Jimmy Johnson made when he was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And it's been revised several times by different people, but it's still the basic Bible for how you get to a starting point. Think about buying a car or trading a car. You think about the Kelly Blue Book, right? Right. Jimmy Johnson's draft trade evaluation chart is the Kelly Blue Book of making a trade. It basically assigns a value to each trade that could happen. So let's have a little fun here. Let's. Hypotheticals, because I've heard this so much. Let's say Detroit wants to trade up with the Titans. So let's start off with the scenario that they want to go 32 up to the Titans spot at 26. So the Titans are going to end up with 32, but what else are they going to get? Well, according to the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, pick 26 is worth 700 points. Pick 32 is worth 590. Okay. It's a difference of 110. So based on those numbers, what Detroit would have to give up is their compensatory number three, which is worth 112 points. That's pick 97? Pick 97. Okay. So that's just if you go off the chart. Another thing that you could do if you just go off the chart is the Titans trade 26 and 90 for 32 and 66. Okay. And so they would actually be able to move up 24 spots in the third round. The difference in those two picks is 120 points. The 66th pick is worth 260. The 90th pick is worth 140. So you're saying in terms of round numbers, that's how you could do it. Okay. They could either get a late third to move back, the Titans could, or they could move up in the third round. They could flip-flop places 24 spots in the third round. So then the Titans would have 32 and 66 instead of 26 and 90. Right. That's just if you go on the chart. But when you trade a car. There's more than that, just that's right. the you, blue book value. There's a blue book value, but it, it never just goes by that. It goes by a couple other things. First of all, do the Titans have any other offers? Right. Well, if they don't, then maybe Detroit just says, yeah, we'll give you this three and that's it. Good luck. Have a nice day. If the Titans do have other offers and or Detroit is hot and bothered to get to 26 to grab somebody, maybe somebody increases the offer. So if Detroit is very motivated, maybe they do multiple picks to to jump around, or maybe they throw in a pick for next year, like a three in next year's draft. To sweeten the pot. Right. Yes. So however you make the deal is is how you make the deal. Now, let's say Detroit takes that second round pick. This is hypothetical. This is 34. And they want to go 34 to 26. So they want to come back into the first round and trade a second round pick to get in. The difference in the two picks, again, pick 26, according to the Jimmy Johnson chart, is 700 points. Pick 34 is 560. So a difference of 140 points. So at that point, if you take the value, Detroit should have to trade 34, also that early third round pick at 66 and 177 
for the Titans picks at 26 and 90. That's what they should have to do. But that's just the numbers. The Titans probably could get the early second round pick, the early third round pick, and the late third round pick in exchange for 26 and 90. Hmm. So that's how the numbers work out. But again, these charts are just a starting point. They are a suggestion, and many of them have done their own, but they are still based on the same set of numbers. It's very interesting that teams have found a way to basically quantify every move, to assign some sort of value to any move that you can make, and it's kind of helped to standardize the NFL in that it gives everyone a basic idea mm-hmm of how much it costs to do different things. It's almost like a monetary value. So each move has a certain amount of cost. So then it's not just, I'll give you two hot dogs and a piece of chicken for your steak. Like there's a little bit more there that you're dealing with. Well, you know who's being serious and who's not. Right. I mean, because if some, again, if, if Detroit calls John Robinson and offers him a sixth round pick, to move up six spots from 32 to 26, that's not a serious offer. Right. Now, if John Robinson is desperate to get out of there, maybe he takes it. He's probably not. No. But the thing is, if Detroit is desperate to get to that spot, maybe they say, we'll give you 66. Instead of, like, flip-flopping, they'll give you – we've seen more flip-flopping in recent years. I wonder why that is. A lot of it is salary cap related because people have the pool of money that you have to spend on your rookies, on your draft picks. Yes. And so you don't want to end up with – it's like some of these teams have 12 or 13 picks. It's doubtful they will make them all. They will spend them – maybe they'll make nine of them, and they'll spend them in different ways towards getting players they want this year or towards next year. It becomes draft capital, basically. It's it's totally draft capital. And you're looking at the Titans. The Titans right now have seven picks. They have a one, a three. They have two fours. They have a five and two sixes. So, I mean, Detroit, for example, has two ones. They have number two and number 32. They have a two, which is overall number 34. They have two threes. 66 and 97, then they don't pick again till 177. They have four picks late in the draft. I mean, does John Robinson want their seventh-round pick just to be able to grab somebody else as a throw-in part of the deal? Like, for example, pick 217 that they have is worth 4.6 points on the Jimmy Johnson scale. Pick 234 is worth one point. Yeah. So do you get them to throw in two picks just so you can grab? And for a team like the Titans, not a bad move because the Titans are going to need several rookies to make this roster due to how tight their salary cap is. Right, and if it's a low-cost seven, yeah, situation for the Detroit Lions, it's also a low-cost in terms of paying the actual human move for the Tennessee Titans. So if you hit on somebody, it's pretty great. I think the Jimmy Johnson draft trade value chart is really interesting 
just from the again I use the Kelly Blue Book analogy. People say, "Oh, the Kelly Blue Book says you should give me this for your trade." It's like, "Yeah, but right now we don't need that many sedans." Right. So we're only going to give you 80% of it or as the market is right now, we need all the used cars we can get, so we'll give you 120% of it because we can turn around and sell your car for more. It's about supply and demand and more importantly, desire. Yes. Because if you if you see a guy and you want him badly, you think he fits your need, you, you're afraid the team right behind is going to take him, and, and you're willing to throw more at it because you're desperate to get this player, well, then maybe you make a better offer. But it's the whole thing. But I don't understand why they didn't trade back. Well, they didn't trade back in most instances because they didn't get a good offer. Right. I mean, it's it's not just John Robinson saying, I want to trade back. He needs someone who is a trade partner that is willing to make a good deal. Yes. He can't just decide, oh, I want to trade this back. Like, it's not, it's not a one-sided decision. Well, the other part of it, too, is sometimes, like, let's say, hypothetically again, John Robinson is sitting there at 26, and he has four players there he still likes. Well, if he knows he can pick up an extra three or four or whatever and still get one of his guys at 32 – Maybe he'll take face value and go ahead and deal back in order to have a little bit more capital. But if he's got two guys there he still likes, you're going to have to make him a better deal in order to make the trade. It's all very interesting. Well, it's, here's the most, the most interesting part of this. 32 picks in the first round. Correct. There is no way that an NFL team – in most years, has 32 first-round grades on players. So when you pick in the 20s, very rarely do you have the opportunity to pick a guy that you have a first-round grade on. Caleb Farley, Jeffrey Simmons, different. Right. Different guys. They were thrilled. I mean, they were running the card up in both of those situations because those were players that it was anticipated would go much more highly. So you get to that point where it's tricky and you're either going to make a pick. And I I remember seeing Floyd Reese make a pick one year and he thought he had this player. He was so excited about this player. And then Kansas City took his guy one pick in front of him. Well, then he was sitting there desperately trying to get out. He's like, I don't want any of these guys in this pod. I don't think they're worth a first round pick. I want to move back into the second round. I'd feel comfortable taking this guy in the second round, but not in the first. He couldn't find anybody who'd make a trade. Yep. And I was like, yeah, sure, Floyd, we'll give you a seven and a kicking tee. You know, I mean. Yeah. And so he couldn't make the deal. Ended up having to take a player that he never wanted. He came out of the draft room, and I remember seeing him, and I said, hey, congratulations. like, thanks a lot. (laughs) Which is not the response you want. (laughs) No, no, no. And – you know, but but sometimes you're buckled into these situations. Now, would you rather have had six straight winning seasons and be picking in the 20s? Yes. Yeah, I'll take that every time. The chart thing is very interesting to me as a person who doesn't understand a lick when it comes to numbers. I can look at a chart and I can understand, which I appreciate. I like that this is 
This is a very understandable numbers thing. Well, the other part of this, too, is it's quick. Yes. And that was part of the reason is because Jimmy Johnson, the Cowboys, would get somebody on the phone and they would say this for this. And so they would have somebody in the room who could do the quick math to say, go back and ask for a six with that. Right. Because these happen fast. They happen fast. You're on the clock because the first round, I mean, for example, I was looking at this today. And a lot of people don't don't know all of this because they, they know it when the draft comes around, but not the other 51 weeks of the year. Right. Ten minutes per selection in round one. Used to be 15. Oh, that's a long day. Round two, seven minutes. Rounds three through six, five minutes. Round seven, four minutes. That's the, the pick time. Well, the other part of that, too, is you not only think you only have 10 minutes when you're on the clock, but... Let's say you're getting to pick 22 and your phone starts ringing about pick 26. Well, then instead of having potentially an hour with four times 15, you only have 40 minutes, which generally becomes shorter because people don't take as much time. So that amount of time that you have to make these decisions and get things into the league, normally the trades are set up not while you're on the phone, but before you get there. And the interesting point in that is not all teams take the full 10 minutes or. And some teams take the full 10 minutes regardless. Yeah. So just, it's just to see if they will get a phone call. Just to see. Just hot and cold. If, well, it's like the whole thing. If you're in a situation where someone offers you a Herschel Walker trade, like what happened with the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. and Jimmy Johnson, well, then it. Okay, you're going to consider that. If you're offered a Ricky Williams trade, like what the New Orleans Saints made with Mike Ditka for Ricky Williams, while you say, well, we won't consider anything, we're doing this. We're picking this guy. We're not trading this guy regardless. If you get a Herschel Walker trade offer, if you get a Ricky Williams trade offer, maybe you take that. Maybe maybe it is something that you just can't turn down. It's also interesting because there's the whole emotional aspect of it as well. There's the motivation aspect right? of it. There's the need aspect of it. So while there's data and numbers and analytics and all of these things that are very concrete, there's also such a huge human element to it. That's just what makes this also Well, because great. it's about desire. Uh, 100%. It's your heart's desire for the player. Teams fall in love with players and just say, I have to have this guy. Yep. I love his skill set. I like his makeup. I like what he brings to us. I think he puts us over the top. I think he can be this. I think he can be another Joe Montana or another Ronnie Lott or another Tony Dorsett. Or, you know, they see what they want to see in these guys and. They have to have them. And somebody else may not see it at all. They may say, that guy stinks. I wouldn't take him. <laughs> and, and that's the human part. I think in talking about the trades and why the Jimmy Johnson draft trade chart may be interesting in our scenario this year in terms of our Titans radio coverage, if guys are taken who don't handle the ball with the first 10 picks, then once you get to 11, 12, 13, you're going to start taking guys who handle the ball. Right. 
Guess what people trade for? Guys who handle the ball. Interesting. 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 Mike Keith, this is just the coolest draft. It's. I don't know why you're not as fired up as I am oh, about this. Oh, I'm very this. fired. I mean, about draft, I'm totally fired up. I'm fired up Both to see our guys. Back. I'm fired up to see our guys. I admit that. Mm-hmm. It, it was good to see player cars in the lot here at St. Thomas Sports Park today. You just feel it when the parking lot's not all empty and there's movement in the building. Right. And golly, I mean, we've been in so many different places due to COVID and construction, and now we're all in one area again. So having people kind of filling this space, this new space that we're all still kind of moving into at St. Thomas Sports Park, it just felt good. And now we're talking about this draft, and it's this exciting draft, and it's, I mean, a great one for the Tennessee Titans because of the amount of options that they have, and there's so many crazy things that could happen. It's just an Exciting time in football world, Mike. Always. Well, I mean, that's the NFL now. I mean, April's the draft, May's the schedule release, June OTAs and mini camps, July's the start of training camp, August is the start of preseason, September's the start of the season. You have football in October, November, December, and now into January. Mid to late January, you've got all kinds of great playoffs. February, you've got the Super Bowl. Then you go right back into the wind again with, you know, all of the things that started. And even some things start before the Super Bowl with Senior Bowl and Shrine Bowl and then moving towards the Combine and, you know, even before that Pro Bowl. The NFL never stops now. No, it really doesn't. I mean, the time that you kind of call the – the off season or kind of your downtime is getting smaller and smaller just because things are becoming, I mean, there's more things to do and the league is really capitalizing on more events, which makes them a bigger deal, which makes them more exciting to talk about and to cover. And what a great industry. What a great industry. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm feeling some type of way today, Mike Keith. You know, what's another great industry? What? Health plans with Farm Bureau Health Plans. That was a good one. Better rates, better coverage, and better service. That's why Tennesseans have been relying on Farm Bureau Health Plans for their health coverage for 75 years. Thank you to Farm Bureau Health Plans for sponsoring us. Yes. Anything else you want to say? No. I'm just fired up, Mike. I'm just excited. I think I've I've given enough emotion to this podcast. For the fired up Amy Wells, <laughs> I'm the somewhat beleaguered Mike Keith. <laughs> a little little more. Thank you for listening. Middle of the road. Middle of the road. <laughs> trying to hang in there. <laughs> trying to hang in there for the OT. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. 